Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumpter. Hi, Stacey. How are you? Hey, John. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Sitting in North Carolina still. We are uh, still under our semi-partial, I don't know what you call it, um, stay-at-home orders here. They they haven't completely uh, let them all sort of expire, but they are definitely opening them up much more quickly than, than many people had thought. Um and the sun is shining, so you can't complain. And uh, doing well. How about you, John? Are you home this week? I, I'm assuming the answer is yes, right? <laughs> I, I, I am so at home. It isn't funny. You know, this is this is about. Let's see. This is going to be day 103 or 104 of solitary confinement, and I, I'm yeah. whittling bars of soap into fake guns so that when they when when I get a chance, I can break out. Um, uh, it's crazy, and 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 the really wild thing is, it, it's a heat wave, and so so if you could get out, you wouldn't want to. Um, and we just had we just the governor just declared that it is the law that if you are in a public place, you have to wear a mask, which is great news. California California had good luck not having a horror story and it comes because the governor's a good governor and, and um, um has helped us stay healthy. So nobody yeah. Yeah. I, I now I now in my in my in my estate after 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 I'm dead and they come and sort through all this stuff they're gonna find this amazing array of designer masks. Um <laughs> It's it's nice to know that you've been you've been thinking about well you know after you're gone what they'll find and and the mask seems to be a real important thing. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you your... what I I, yeah. I guarantee you that 25 years from now there will be huge wall size 80 foot by 80 foot quilts made out of masks from the pandemic. Um, yeah. Um, that that this time that we're going through is actually a lot darker than it seems, and um, uh, it seems dark sometimes. I mean, the, the 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 thing that we should most certainly talk about today is it's Juneteenth, and yeah. uh, privileged white guy that I am, I don't know. Do you say Happy Juneteenth? I don't know. I don't know what the correct Juneteenth greeting is, but but. It's, it appears that a lot of the people that I know who are taking Juneteenth off to consider um, structural racism um, um, don't know what the proper Juneteenth greeting is. So I will have to say my knowledge is limited there as well. I'm, I'm learning about Juneteenth, Juneteenth this year. Um, probably should have known about it beforehand. Um, but I am... Um, happy to say that I have several really good friends who have, have walked me through um, the kinds of education that they're sharing with their children at home this week um, around um, what slavery was and what it was really like and, and how it has been portrayed, the difference from what it's been portrayed at in movies and in, and in stories in some cases and, and other things, um, and that you know their focus is very much on education this week for their family as well as remembrance. And so I don't know if that's exactly how everyone else is spending it, but I know that in the conversations I've had with several friends, that has definitely been part of their 
um, uh, ongoing and, and, and not the first year, but they're ongoing um, Juneteenth um, conversations. I, um, I think that, you know, there is an awareness this year um, that sadly has been brought about by many, many challenging things that are happening around our country. Um, but as in all very difficult situations, hopefully there is a ray of light and the light I think hopefully will be education and awareness, right? That's my goal. Hope so. So, so let me ask you a question that's been occurring to me recently. Um, um, I believe, I, I really, really believe that there is systemic racism and that I am a part of it. Um, mm -hmm. And, and what I, what I think is interesting about that is um, everything that I have seen that tries to solve racism as a question or tries to inhibit bias um, as a as a as an idea tends to focus on individuals. We're going to stop hiring managers from seeing pictures of people so that they can't discriminate. And if my understanding of systemic racism is correct, it's the system that discriminates. Um, and individual peoples are actors, but they're inside of a system that discriminates. And I haven't seen any HR tech tools that attack the processes that have racism embedded in them. Yeah. Um, and 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 I I don't hear any HR conversation about this yet. That that there's there's tons of training as if as if if you fixed all of the individuals, the system would change. And if the, if that were true, then software adoption would be an easy thing to do. Um, yeah. um, there's something about the system itself that that causes and perpetuates um, a social structure that is deeply uh, racist, and and I don't think we even know how to talk about that yet, really. Um, but I'm starting to wonder just how good it is to make people to inhibit people's ability to move when it's really the system that's the problem. So 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 if you solve person X's bias habits, you're just attacking a symptom when the problem is the system when the problem is the system. And yeah. and I don't know of any of, of any technology solutions that think about solving the system. No, I th I think that's 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 Part of, I think, the frustration, um, I, I should say, I, I, I can't say it personally, but my understanding in the conversations I've had with the black community is that that is part of the frustration, is that it, it is embedded so deeply in everything that happens in our culture, our processes, our tools, our, our um it, uh, language, right? It, it's in a way that it, it's not just about educating yourself about being unbiased. That, that's a, a must-have and a, and a necessity in the very first step. 
it is now we have to dig deep and break apart things that are are fundamentally broken. So when people are talking about, you know, um, defunding the, you know, police officers and um, authority environments, right, part of that conversation is because fundamentally, no matter how many changes you make to the personnel, the system of hiring and training and um, the tools that, that are they're being asked to use, the, the, the language they're being asked to use fundamentally is racist, right? So even if you put a person who's not biased in that situation, then they're going to still come out with some of the same outcomes. Um, and, and I think it's a really, really powerful message. And it's, it's what you're talking about, um, you know, I've, I've been laid up for the last week because I, I had surgery on my leg. And so I've been spending a lot of time on Netflix, as you tend to do when you can't move around. And probably one of the, the, the most powerful um, things I got a chance to watch was um, the, the 13th. Um, it, it's a Netflix uh, documentary about the systematic um, fundamental issues inside of our, our culture and inside of our uh, historical uh, approach to um, policing and our historical approach to black communities and how that has sort of built on top of itself all of these um, horrific sort of layer upon layer upon layer of racist um, things that are happening in the community. Um, I'm obviously not the right person to be talking about all of that, but I think what you're talking about is, is those are the hard questions, right, that we as a whole community have to be asking ourselves. Um, so one of the things, the very difficult conversations that um, I had uh, as part of last week was um, uh, the association I'm part of, IRAM, which is International Human Resource Information Management Association, right? We, as an executive committee and as a, an executive board, we're discussing what was the messaging that we as an association should be putting out to the market. Um, and the conversation really came back to what is our role in, as technologists in impacting these systemic issues? Putting a statement out is not going to have the same impact as putting into everything we're doing from an education, a uh, discussion, a uh, fundamental way that we think about certification in this area, all those things, making sure that we root out the systemic biases that are in all of those tools that help train people who are going to be doing systems in the market, right? Um, those are the conversations that we were having in that association, but it's tough. It, whose role is it to make those changes, right? Um, and, you know, where does it start? Do we go all the way back to HR policies and processes, all the way back to the, HR, the, the technology fundamentally for, for how we do our office management, our financial systems that literally have uh, algorithms that, that discount people because of names, right, uh, as to whether or not they can get credit? How far do you go? And, yeah, it's scary, and, and, it's, and it's necessary that we've got to get that far, right? One, one, one last example. I, I just cut out of the corner of my eye before we got on the show. Um, somebody was talking about removing bias from video interviewing. And I thought to myself, 
Well, the biggest source of bias in video interviewing is video interviewing because it assumes that you have the equipment, the costuming, the lighting, and it and it rewards video interviewing rewards people who are better prepared to be media manipulators, which means wealthy, right? It's it's code it's code for white. Um, so so by itself video interviewing is discriminatory mm-hmm. regardless of anything else because not everybody has equal unfettered access to it and so so the idea that you would remove bias from video interviewing means you're removing bias from an already um, narrow demographic and I think that's the hard part about this conversation right is that there is a a proponent of our industry, <clears throat> and very well led by the technologist, that says the technology will reduce and the technology can get rid of, the technology will create an environment that is bias-free, right? That's the the, the pitch, the sales, the, the conversation. And on one hand, I think, at a, at the, you know, all of us want to say, yeah, if, if, if a person's not making the decision, it should be more just, right? Um, but what people forget are, is that it's people who built those systems, those tools, those approaches, those processes, right? And that's the fundamental challenge with that. And so you really have to go deep to understand what you're talking about there, right? To know that video actually has a lot of other layers to it that goes beyond just the technology and the algorithms, right? That's right. That's right. It's it's what's accessible to whom when. There, there's a whole non-technical um, layer in which technology is accessed. So we got a mailbag yeah. full of stuff. Let's see what's let's see what's in the mailbag. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the social conversation continues this week um, beyond um, uh, the 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 major conversations that we've been having about race in our organizations. We also uh, saw this week our Supreme Court tackle some of the. Um, most difficult conversations about protected classes in our communities. And so um, I think in this, and I, I would assume in your household where you have someone who, who studies law, that this was a lot of, uh, there might've been a lot of conversation about this, but our Supreme Court said this week that the federal law now protects LGBTQ workers from discrimination. Now, the thing I think that has blown me away for quite some time is that there are a lot of people who assumed that LGBTQ workers were covered under the federal protection laws the same way that race and religion were and age, but they are not and were not up until this most recent ruling by the Supreme Court, which was just Monday of this of this week. Um, and it was phenomenal to see this come down, but the fact that a lot of people didn't even realize that it, it wasn't there already is also somewhat scary and, and sort of understanding sort of the, the, the knowledge gaps and the education gaps in our market. What about in your household? I mean, did you guys have conversations about how this is going to impact? Oh, we, we have we had a lot policy? of conversations about, yeah, yeah we have, we, we, we've been talking about this a lot. And the, the, the hardest part of this is on Friday last week, the Trump administration made it legal for the healthcare um, world to discriminate against transgender people, and so, 
So I, I, I don't know if I'll be able to say this very well, but imagine that you figured out that you were in the wrong body and that you were in a medical process to correct that. And the government came along and said, no, no, sorry, no, no, they don't have to treat you. This can't, this doesn't have to be covered. Um, the misery that that the current government caused in a single stroke of paperwork is just indescribable. And so the Supreme Court case was a, a, a little bit of a stopgap, but there are still there's still some very scared people um, as the result of the political environment. Um, And um, it's sad. And this, this foundational thing, which is that LGBTQ people are um, um, protected now. That's, that's a good start. That's a good start. But compassion is where we head next. And understanding or trying to understand is where we head next. And um, there are some very, very difficult emotional, mental, and physical struggles that that um, that, that need our support and and our empathy. And um, you you know part of part of the reason we didn't know they weren't discriminated is because we were looking the other way. Because it's hard to look at this. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. Right. Um, and so we're going to have to look a little harder in this direction. It's a yeah. Pet well, yeah, but I I think in all areas that that if there's anything that that um, I think we the whole uh, community from HR perspective has to take away from these last few months is that our jobs are to look more closely, to have the difficult conversations. If it's not uncomfortable, then you're not having the right conversation. Those were the the words that probably hit me the the hardest uh, in the last couple of weeks that was um, explained to me by a friend. She's like, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not asking the questions that need to be asked, right? And that's the part I think that um, it's hard when you're in HR, right, to, to... understand how important your role is inside of an organization to push these conversations even in places where it doesn't feel like you um, should be pushing them or your executive um, group doesn't want to have them or um, you know that the answers aren't going to be pretty for how your company is addressing them, right? That's your job to have the conversations, right? right? So, yeah. I mean, That's and, right. And, I mean, one That's of the... Right. Yeah, well, one of the one of the other conversations this week that we got um, topics was a organization, and, and you had sent this in, and it sort of fits right along with what we were just talking about. Is that um, there is a company called Twenty Twenty Gene Systems that is basically like a DNA company that does testing, right? Um, is making right. available the the newly FDA authorized COVID nineteen antibody blood test to HR departments throughout the U.S. Um, Lab testing with AI building data collection expected to improve the predictive power of antibodies and is key in helping companies open safely is the language they're using in this announcement that they made that this 2020 Gene Systems company has made. You sent this to me and the immediate reaction I had was, whoa, wait a minute. How does this fit with 
my HIPAA requirements or my own personal privacy or my own, you know, are, are, you know, labeling of who I am and whether or not I can work in the organization along with the, the, the need to be safe inside of an organization as well. It, I'm assuming that's part of why you sent the article to me to, this week. It, are those conversations that you think are, we're going to have to sort of build into the bigger, you know, hard and difficult conversation area as well? Um, I think um, there are going to be trade-offs between what we used to think of as privacy and what becomes privacy in a world where um, we ha I have to have some way to know whether or not I can spend time with you. Um, now, now it's it's crazy in this particular case where they they are claiming to equip HR departments with antibody tests when um, nobody knows if having antibody means that you're immune. Yeah. Right. Nobody knows what having. Yeah. Nobody has the slightest idea what it means to have antibodies. Um, and so so. <laughs> So here is here is a um, um, an opportunistic operation. Uh, you know, it'd be it'd be my two cents that they ought to be banned from doing business in HR. Um, trying to to peddle antibody tests. Uh, so so the idea would be you must have an up to date antibody test in order to come to work. And my guess is that you'd have to have one every day. Yeah. Because just 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 because just because you you demonstrate it today doesn't mean you have it tomorrow. We don't know that much about it. We don't know how long antibodies last or what they're good for. And so so there's a lot of there's a lot of weird stuff that's about to happen because people are scared and desperate to get the doors open. Yeah. And this yeah. is one of them. And and HR HR professionals are are at the center of this storm right now, right? This this conversation about um, how do we bring our workers back safely and ensure that our employees stay safe, right? It, it, you know, it's twofold. And then if they aren't safe, who's held accountable to that? That's a whole other level of conversation, right? Um, and, again, very difficult conversation. And in this environment, I'm not sure that technology is always the answer, right? It, um, science is definitely the answer, but technology may or may not be. So the other thing that we have this week, I know we've only got like eight minutes, we should probably mention that along with all the other things that are going on on a social level and a healthcare level and, a, and, a, and an announcement level in that area, we also saw a lot of announcements coming out from vendors. So this week there were three major vendors who did what we what we call sort of industry events or analyst updates this week. One is TalentSoft, which is a large talent and HR organization out of the um, European market, uh, probably the largest in the European market, um, that has sort of a, a, a quasi-HRIS uh, element without payroll, but, but has all the ability to sort of keep your sort of contact and your main information and your historical data about your employees, but also has all of the elements of a talent management system. So a little bit more along the lines of, of a cornerstone, did a big announcement about some of the changes and in, in investments they're making in the market. We also saw SAP have their annual Sapphire event, which also included a Success Connect component to it for their Success Factors um, application. And we also saw at the end of this week was ADP um, did their analyst event. Having all three of them in one 
we gave a little bit of an opportunity to sort of see who did well and who did not. Um, I will have to say, as far as just sheer production value goes, ADP seemed to do sort of the best in sort of pulling together a very cohesive briefing for analysts and the market as a whole. But I was really, really um, pleasantly surprised also with what was going on over at TalentSoft. So TalentSoft has been one of those sort of quietly growing organizations, been working to get a lot of their customers off of a on-premise older environment into a new cloud-based product. Um, and they're investing heavily, I think, in an area you and I have talked in, which is talent and skills matching. And so they've taken, um, at the same time that they uh, were talking about their uh, event, they were also announcing an acquisition that they made of a small company called Crafty, which is a French HR tech startup specializing in talent development, which really was a company, Matt, uh, that had invested heavily in artificial intelligence in skills, categorization, and uh matching that with open uh, jobs and employee capabilities. And so um, we are starting to see some of these conversations we've had here in the States uh, ramp up pretty quickly in the European market, and I think TalentSoft's going to be a real competitor on that particular space. Um, did you get a chance to see any of these other analyst events as well, John, that you went to? So, so, so I, think, I think the ABP thing was as good as it gets. And, and why was it good? It was good because it was only 90 minutes. Um, it was good because they had some audience interaction. But but I, but I got to tell you, I think I think in some ways the analyst business is dead because the idea. Of, I think I think I told my joke last week. The, the, the joke is. Um, uh, when my grandma was getting older, she would sit in her Barker yeah. lounger and yell at the TV. Um, and she was she was a trendsetter because now that's what I do for a living. And yeah. that's my experience <laughs> of going to these virtual events. Right? Is is that yeah. is that um, I get I get battered with badly produced infomercials. Um, and I don't think that's going to last. I don't think that's going to last. It's a, it's an adjustment that people made, but the whole idea of there being an analyst community to whom you broadcast hour-long or two-hour-long or day-long videos um, that are one-sided views of the world, I don't think that lasts very long. ADP did an extraordinary job. ADP, yeah, ADP has, has, has a crackerjack team of, of talent at the top, and they covered the broad base of the topic area. They did it pretty well in a short amount of time. Um, and I think what was most interesting about what they did is they didn't try and, and say um, – they didn't try and talk much about how they're sort of fixing the whole world. They focused very narrowly on what they had accomplished, the data they had, and the insights they could gain from the last two to three months. And with that, they then offered a very clear demo of how their services combined with their tools. And Carlos, who's their president, was very clear that it was this combination of both um, had helped very specific customers uh, manage um, the last three months from a crisis perspective. Um, and so they um, uh, did that. And then they brought in four customers who walked through the same exact thing. So it was a very clear message, very succinct. Um, I think that was part of what made it so 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 well done as well. Yep, yep. So, 
it was an interesting week, and I imagine we have another interesting week coming up. The Supreme Court gets to issue opinions till the end of the month, um, and there are more <laughs> in the pile. Um, we still have yeah. we still have the president's taxes and abortion to tackle, and um, I imagine those are going to be interesting moments. Yeah. Well, um, if there's nothing else you can say. 2020 will live on um, for the amount of um, thinking, I think, and conversation it created. I, I have had more deep and important conversations in the last several months um, than I can say probably in, in the last year I've had with a lot of people. So um, it's definitely a uh, a time for for really taking a step back and trying to figure out what do I need to learn? Where do I need to invest my energy? Where do I need to invest my time? Um, and I think all of our technology companies, all the organizations that, that we work with on a regular basis are doing a lot of the same thing. Um, you, know, we, you know, we didn't talk much about the Sapphire events or the, what was going on with SAP. They had some technical difficulties. But the messaging that they came out very loud and clear from their event was, we're focusing on industry. We're focusing on artificial artificial intelligence. We're we're this is who we are. It was very much about uh, taking a, a bit a bit of a, a, re, a new look at who SAP is. Whether or not you agree with that look, I think, is yet to be seen. The market had a lot of commentary about whether or not they had set the right tone or had actually addressed the right things. Um, but I think every company is reassessing who they are and where they stand at this point in time, and that's a a tough place for any company to be, right? Yep. That's, love it. I love it. So thanks for doing this, and um, we will see you all back here at the regular time next week. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Bye-bye now. Thanks, everyone.